edition of the Angle Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Joey Carney, and today's guest is influential to say the least. But before I introduce him, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe down below to stay up to date with all things from the Angle Podcast right here on YouTube. Now, this episode is a special one. My guest is a successful businessman, having been featured on networks such as CNN and Fox. He is the longest reigning WWE champion in SmackDown TV history and is the only man to ever evolve from being a true cowboy into a wrestling god. And I should also add that his clothesline, well, it hurts like all hell. Now you can see him in his new podcast, Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. It is an honor to introduce to you WWE Hall of Famer, the wrestling god, JBL, John Bradshaw Layfield. How are you, John? And welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joey. I appreciate the, the uh, nice intro. And thank goodness Stan Hansen didn't want to be a wrestling god. I don't think I could have stopped him from it. <laughs> of course. And uh, you're doing the podcast now, which is great. I, I watch it uh, whenever it's on, or I listen to it whenever it's on, both. Uh, how did the podcast come about? Was it your way of uh, making a return, sort of say, to pro wrestling? No, not at all. We, we were in COVID and we were just sitting around BSing with each other because we couldn't go out and do anything. And I was up here in uh, D.C. where I live now. And this was a, one of the most uh, shut down places because we had really bad COVID when it, when it first started. And Gerald Briscoe and I were just all the time texting and calling. We're really, we've been close friends for 30 something years, uh, 25 years rather. And one of the friends that was with us said, hey, you guys are to do a podcast. And same as most people start a podcast. I was like, well, I don't think anybody cares and would want to listen. So <laughs> it was just us getting with old guys on Zoom to kind of catch up because we were stuck inside and we're having such a good time doing it. We just decided to start recording it. You know, what's so unique about it is that you, you're taking two different generations of pro wrestling and then you're combining it with your guests. I mean, you've had people like Santino and Kane, so many great guests, star-studded uh, you know, lineup there. You get to hear great stories, but not only that, you and Gerald both have great minds for the business. So to hear your perspectives is just, you don't see that anywhere else. So it's really, it really is a treat, you know, for wrestling fans to be able to listen and watch uh, the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, hopefully it is, you know, I'm one of the last guys who came to the territories that came made it to the, you know, I guess the modern era, the attitude era, then the ruthless aggression and what they have now. And people that weren't around back then, don't realize these territories, every one of them had some baby face or heel that was just hot as fire. You know, Tommy Rich was the hottest guy in North America in the early 80s. You know, Ricky Morton could sell out arenas anywhere, especially when he tagged up with, with uh, Robert, but also by himself. I mean, there were so many territories that had such incredible personalities in them. We just love going and finding these places and the guys are still alive. We know them all well and talking to them about their past and, and their history. And especially when you go back a little bit, you know, when you go back to the seventies and eighties, you know, yeah. guys no longer have to hide behind the veil. They don't have to kayfabe. They don't have to uphold a storyline. They just want to talk about what they did. And there's no pretense. It's just buddies talking to buddies. And so I think it's kind of a unique dynamic, or at least I hope it is. Yeah, no, of course. And, and for, you know, for me being uh, a 90s baby there, um, to hear all those stories and, and, and to hear everybody just uh, give their perspective and, you know, take the curtain away and just be themselves. It really is uh, really interesting uh, to listen to. But uh, JBL is one of the greatest heels of all time. 
and there will never be another like you in the business. When you're going into a po- doing the podcast uh, or hosting the podcast, is there a transition period for you where it's no longer the heel character? I mean, you've gone from babyface and APA to you know JBL, but is there a transition period where you can just sit back and be yourself and not think about the character doing the podcast? No, there isn't. And the reason is because it's with Gerald Briscoe, who's one of my best friends and has been for a long time. And that's kind of the dynamic that we have when we bring guys on. You bring a Stan Hansen on. It's the talk that you would hear from a bar or in the dressing room. You know, I watch interviews with that these guys do. And a lot of times there's still a little bit of veneer there. You know, there's still a little bit of you know trepidation about being themselves. And hopefully that doesn't happen with us. And it certainly doesn't with me. It doesn't with Jerry. And it's just kind of guys talking inside baseball, so to speak. And so, no, there really isn't a transition there of, hey, do I need to be in character? Do I not need to be in character? It's fun just to talk about it from a, a person outside looking in who was also in on the inside that was uh, in, in part of the business and part of the, you know some of the major events in the last 50 years. Sorry to interrupt your scheduled programming. Support for the Angle Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched their ultimate men's hygiene bundle, which is the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TAP, that's code TAP, TAP for the angle podcast code tap at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, and the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies. This travel bag and boxer briefs are both a surprise gift that they are giving away with this performance package. Now you have the balls, now all you need are the products. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TAP, code TAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code TAP, that's T-A-P. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to your scheduled programming. Of course. And when JBL, when you were first introduced, uh, it took some time to catch fire, the character of JBL. Was there anyone uh, at that time, like against the character and being positioned like to be the WWE champion at that time? I, I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody against it. I don't think, but I don't think there were a lot of people for it. You okay. know, you needed a character at that time. Uh, you had a, a confluence of events. You had Big Show, I think, was hurt. Uh, Kurt Angle was hurt. Brock had just left the company. You needed a, a guy to go against Eddie Guerrero. And so it was just kind of, hey, let's try this. So I don't think anybody was against it. I just don't think a lot of people were for it. I know before that first match in the Staples Center, Pat Patterson came by and goes, hey, hey uh, have it going out there, kid. And I said, thanks, Pat. He goes, I hope it works out for you. And I just kind of remember thinking, you know, this is a one-off. If yeah. this match doesn't work. And I, and I knew it was. So, you know, and like that, Pat was not against me. He's a good friend of mine. He yeah. was, but he wasn't like super like, hey, this is our guy who's going to be a champion for a long time either. It was let's wait and see what happens. And was there anything that uh, you thought would work in order to get that character over when you, when you first debuted? No, I was all Eddie Guerrero. Uh, when the day when character debuted, 
uh, I thought I had pretty much retired. I tore a bicep. I had two hernia operations. I really thought I was done. And I thought, you know, that's okay. I had a, a good career. I got to tag with Ron for a number of years and I'm happy with what happened. They called me out of the blue and said, Hey, we need somebody to face Eddie in about six, seven weeks in the Staples center. Yeah. And the character didn't work right away. they still saw me as the APA. They still saw me as this guy with Ron Simmons and Eddie and his brother Chavo came up with the idea of giving his mother a heart attack in El Paso and filming it like it was a security camera filming it. So it looked like it was legit. And that's the whole thing that made the character without that, it would have been a one and done after that video aired. That's when we started seeing crowds increase. That's when ticket sales started selling. We ended up selling up. We didn't know if we could sell tickets in Staples Center. We ended up selling, I believe at the time, uh, an a, a attendance record uh, at the Staples Center. But it's all because of Eddie and his brother Chavo coming up with that idea. I remember watching that live, and it was so believable uh, to see all that take place. Obviously, I was a kid at the time, but it was just uh, like it was – I. I was in so much pain because Eddie at the time was one of my favorites and was, you know, the top baby face and to see, Oh my, his mom and all this stuff. It was just, I'm, I'm four feet from his mother or closer about arm length away. You know, I reached like I was <laughs> you know, put my hand on her. What she was doing. She was, she grabbed my hand and guided herself down. That way she could fall. You know, she was, I think 70, 74 years old at the time. Wow. I'm that close to her. And I'm thinking this woman has just had a heart attack. It was that good. I'm like, Oh my God. Is there anybody <laughs> in this family that can't work? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Eddie's on the mat and he goes, you better get the F out of here. I say, because he knew that it, it was unbelievable how well it worked. Yeah. And it was so, it was so good. Uh, they got me to the back and literally the police told me, said, you don't need to stay in El Paso tonight. We can't guarantee your safety. Wow. So they escorted me out of town, literally gave me an escort out of town and told me to drive all the way to Odessa. Uh, to fly out the next day because they they thought somebody would uh, try to get hold of me. Eddie actually smartened up a few of his buddies because he said one of them would have come over the rail. Wow, <laughs> that's just you know we had extra we had extra security <laughs> we had extra everything. I mean it was it was as close to some being a disaster for me as yeah. <laughs> as possible. And Ooh. you know I've been in a, I've been in a couple rides and you can't turn your back because if you turn your back that's when people you know jump you especially yeah. if they've been drinking a little bit. And so I'm sitting there just you know, yelling at people as I'm leaving and the security's going, John, please get out of here. Please get out of here. But, you know, I got to keep it up on camera for, for what's going on. And I thought if it rides and I live, this is going to be really good. If I don't, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> wow. And did you ever think uh, you would end up being the longest reigning SmackDown uh, champion or WWE champion in SmackDown history? No, not at all. I mean, the whole thing came up, you know, out of the blue. And then all of a sudden uh, they, they decided to put the championship on me and Eddie was kind enough and gracious enough to drop it yeah. and, you know, do it in a style that made me JBL. You know, Eddie Guerrero did, hadn't been for Eddie Guerrero, you wouldn't be talking to me today. You might be talking to Bradshaw about the <laughs> run that I had with Ron, but not about JBL. And so, no, there was no pretense about what I thought was going to happen. I was just wanting to get that first match in at the Staples Center and, and do a good job. And then they decided to switch the title. And uh, I just wanted to carry it as long as I could and, and do as good a job as I could. I remember at that time despising the JBL character for taking the title off of Eddie because the story of getting Eddie to that title and the way that it was it was taken off him, you know, given to you, it was just it was it's amazing to look back at now. And you guys, you know, had the perfect pairing. And I love I love and appreciate the JBL character now more than ever 
Because we don't have heels like that anymore in, in professional wrestling. How was being a heel? Uh, how has being a heel changed uh, in your perspective since the JBL, since JBL's character? I think the social media has changed it a lot. Uh, I, I think I would have dealt definitely with social media. I, I feel confident I would have, but I don't know that for sure. But you know, these guys got to, are building their brand on social media. So I understand the divergence between the character and what they do on social media. But I think you still need a couple of super heels. You know, I, I call them super heels. It's very similar to say uh, the governor in Walking Dead or the, the, the Battle of Bastards in, in Game of Thrones. You got to have that one guy that you hate that has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And I think social media hurts that. And I understand why they do it. They do it because they create a brand and they, they've got all kinds of things that they can do outside the business off of social media. But somewhere I think you need somebody that's just going to stay in character 24 seven and, and yeah. be a heel. And that's really hard to do, but that's always been hard to do. You know, Roddy Piper once told me, he goes, you and I are the last two heels alive, kid. Now we weren't, <laughs> that was kind of him to say that we weren't, yeah. but it, it's tough. Even back then, guys didn't really – Some a lot of guys did not really want to be a heel. There were very few. I can pick on one hand the last 25 years of guys who really want to be a heel. Yeah. And, and even then, with the, when you were, you know, JBL in the ring, there was no merchandise. There was no – you were strictly heel. There was, you know, we need to despise and, and hate this guy. Today, I mean, you see Roman Reigns, top heel in the company. He's got one of the top shirts, you know, in, in, the, in the company. So it's definitely changed a lot, but it's great to hear um, your perspective on. Yeah, and, and it's a different type of heel. You know, there are different yeah. types of heels. You know, there's the what I call the super heel, just the guy with no redeeming qualities, which is what uh, JBL was. And, yeah. you know, you always have one of those in these episodic shows. But there's also the attraction heel. You know, DX was the same. They sold a ton of merchandise and they were technically heels, but they were attraction heels. You know, they were kind of cool. You know, so there is a, a spot for that. Obviously, Roman Reigns. Just terrific. He sells a ton of merchandise. He sells tickets. He's doing a fantastic job. He's an attraction heel uh, to me. You know, and I think there's a difference there. I would never let them sell merchandise. I would never let them sell anything. I don't want a kid in the front row that's wearing a JBL shirt and people <laughs> see that and think, I've got a fan. I, I would, and if I come out, people, after a while, they were wearing the towels and the, the, the suits and <laughs> I would bash the living hell out of it when I got out there just because I can't have a heel section. Because yeah. if I have a heel section, the kind of heel I was, I'm not being a very good heel. Other guys are different because they're different types of heels. Going back uh, a little bit to, uh, you know, your time with Eddie Guerrero, do you have uh, a favorite story from Eddie? Several. You know, he was a groomsman at my wedding, and I did uh, – part of his eulogy we were really close friends which a lot of people didn't know uh, you know because of the because of the storyline we never co-mingled in, in in public uh eddie called me one time we had a match in japan and I, I got to japan and i'd wrestled in japan earlier in my career and it was all just you know hardcore you know staying hands on top of them go 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 yeah. don't sell just keep you know all pretty snug pretty stiff and that's the mindset i got when i wrestled eddie there the the japanese fans had changed yeah. in say, the last 10 to 15 years leading up to that time. They've certainly changed now. They wanted to see JBL. And after the match, I was really disappointed because I told Eddie, I said, man, that didn't work. And I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Eddie called me about two o'clock in the morning. He goes, you never begged. <laughs> and I said, what? And he goes, you weren't JBL. You weren't, you were never a coward. He said, you were always just this old tough guy. You get the Japanese mindset, you know, of Dr. Death and yeah. Gordy and all these guys. 
And I realized he was right. The next day at one point in the match, we had a tag team match the next, I sat back and I begged off a second and you could feel the crowd and you could feel them boo. And, and yeah. Eddie was right. It was, Eddie took such pride in helping me be JBL. Yeah. And you've done so much for the business and I'm sure you hear praise stories, you know, from the likes of John Cena, Undertaker, and Batista and, and others. I want to know, in your opinion, what has the business done for you? What was your favorite part about being in professional wrestling? It's done almost, you know, I, I got to go on, uh, I got to write a book. I got to go on TV for a long time, talk finance because of writing that book. I got a job on Wall Street uh, and uh, several things that came about, all that came out because of WWE. I don't know if I'd have got any of that opportunity. I probably would have been a coach somewhere, uh, which would have been fine, but i I don't think any of those opportunities uh, would have come about. Uh, to me, they've given me this name that I'm able to use, hopefully in a good way. You know, I was down in uh, Malawi, uh, down one of the poorest areas uh, in the world, and we were able to get certain stuff because people recognized me, wow. you know. And, and what we're doing was we we're getting stuff for kids, you know, helping kids, you know, get yeah. job skills and things like that. You know, malnutrition is so bad down there. But the WWE name was so strong that we were able to get certain things done for it. Same in Bermuda, same in uh, right now I'm doing a lot of stuff in Memphis with a wonderful group, Memphis Center City Rugby. It works with uh, kids in, in deep poverty there and kids yeah. in poverty itself, not just deep poverty. Uh, but a lot of things that WWE has done has enabled me to be able to use this thing. I love working with kids that uh, are at risk and in, in need in poverty areas. And WWE has allowed me to do that. Of course. And I, I've, I've, listen in other interviews and, and even on social media, all the work that you do. And it's incredible. And like I said at the beginning, influential to say the least, because the, the amount of work you do outside of what you do on screen is just, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. Well, thanks. I really enjoy it. And I enjoy the opportunity to work with these kids. You know, it's, it's fun to see now that I've done it for quite a while to see some of these uh, kids have grown up and they've got their families now and they see all, uh -huh. they call me coach and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and they're grown men now with families. It's uh, it's fun. It's fun to see, and it's fun to do. We got a big golf tournament coming up in Memphis at Jerry the King Lawler's Bar. We're hoping to raise some money to to expand our program in Memphis. Those those guys do wonderful work down there. They have a hundred percent graduation rate, and a hundred percent of their kids are going somewhere after high school through the replacement program, either military, trade school, uh, or college. It's just a phenomenal program. Amazing! Wow. And uh, during your time as the WWE champion, uh, you were able to create the cabinet um, with a few other uh, WWE superstars at the time. If you were able to recreate your cabinet today, are there any names that come to mind that you would include uh, in that group? Yeah, uh, Damian Priest. Not that he needs the rub. He's not. He's a star. But that guy is a rock star, man. You know, he just has a presence about him. Yep. And you can't replicate that. You know, some guys have that. Some guys don't. I was at a deal here in D.C. recently, and Mike Singletary walked in. And as soon as he did, you know, he's an older guy now. He's not very big. Yeah. Everybody knew a star had walked into the room. Uh, some guys just have that. The Rock has that. Cena has that. I think Damian Priest has that. I'd love to have him be part of some type of uh, cabinet. I'd love to have Otis and Chad Gable in there too. I, I love They're those doing some guys. great stuff. Those guys, those guys crack me up. <laughs> I, they are so entertaining. Oh man. No, the, that new look of Otis is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even hearing the skit, the mic skills from Chad Gable now, I mean, 
a lot of people didn't predict that that would be the case for him. And he's, I mean, if you look back at raw, the first 20 minutes, MVP of the show. <laughs> That's right. Great. Yeah. And he's a smart guy, obviously. Nobody can do that unless you're a smart guy. And he's very good on the mic. You never know about guys until you get them out there and they do it. You know, some guys are real good in the back being funny and some guys are not uh, out there. And some guys, when you give them a microphone, just light up and tear up the room. That's what Chad Gable does. And for you, uh, a huge honor being inducted into the 2020 class, WWE Hall of Fame. What went through your mind? And I'm sure you get this a lot. What went through your mind finding out that you were being inducted? Well, uh, Vince McMahon called me and he goes, hey, I want you to come to the Hall of Fame. I said, sure, whatever you need, boss. He goes, no, you're going in it. (laughs) (laughs) And I literally, literally, it didn't occur to me. And uh, I said, holy cow. He goes, well, can you make it? I go, well, you dig right, I can now. <laughs> I was, you know, I grew up a wrestling fan. One of my youngest memories is with my grandfather in Sweetwater, Texas, watching wrestling on Saturday nights. And so for me, it's a lifelong dream. I mean, to be in the Hall of Fame with guys like Bruno Sammartino and Hogan and, and Stone Cold, I mean, you got to be kidding me, man. That is just a dream come true. Yeah. When I, I had a chance to speak to Eric Bischoff, about the same topic at one point. And he said, it feels like I was finally invited to the party where like I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah That's just- right. Yeah. I remember sitting there one time uh, we were at, a, I can't, I was inter- inducting somebody. I can't remember who I'm sure you look on the internet and figured out. I, I can't remember uh, if it was Teddy or Ron or, or, or the Briscoes. And I'm sitting there with the four horsemen and Mike Tyson in catering. And I know all of them well, and I've been had the honor of meeting Mike uh, many times. But I'm just sitting there thinking, man, you know, from a kid from Sweetwater, Texas, I'm sitting here with the Four Horsemen and J.J. Dillon and the baddest man on the planet. And I thought, man, this is pretty awesome. And then to go into that Hall of Fame years later, it's, it's just – it's a dream come true. So now we have uh, JBL in the Hall of Fame. We have Ron Simmons in the Hall of Fame. Um, what are your thoughts on the inevitable, and that is the APA uh, sooner than later getting inducted as a tag team into the Hall of Fame? I don't know if it's inevitable or not. I, I would That would be terrific. Ron made my career. Ron made me as a person. Uh, you know, Ron had his, more influence on me as a person than anybody. He just, man, he carries himself. Uh, you know, guys who break barriers are special people. Yeah. You know, and he's our Jackie Robinson. And the Jackie Robinson was a special person. That's why he was chosen. Ron is exactly the same. He's the right person. And it was such an honor to tag with Ron. He's such a fine human being. He's such a great person. He's one, been my best friend ever since the day we met. It'd be great to go in the Hall of Fame with him. I have no idea if that's going to happen or not. But if it did, that would be a huge honor. At the end of my interviews, I like to ask uh, everybody the same question. And that is kind of a reflective question. And when you officially step away fully from pro wrestling, if ever, uh, what do you want your legacy to be? How, how do you want to be remembered? You know, just just a guy who loved the business and worked hard. I mean, I was, I'm no different from anybody else who uh, was an enhancement guy who showed up every day and worked hard. I showed up every day and worked hard, you know, and I, hopefully I did business right. You know, I tried to, on my way out, I I tried to put guys over because I knew that was the role I was in and guys had done that for me. Vader did that for me. And that was remarkable what Leon did to request me in his last pay-per-view match on WWE because he liked me and he wanted me to kick out of his finish. And I always thought that was so cool. And I wanted to pay that uh, forward. I want to do the same thing. And so when people look at it, I hope they just realize that 
I showed up to work every day. I loved the business and I worked hard. And, and I, I tried to do business as best as possible, uh, putting guys over. Of course. And for all the fans listening and watching right now, where could they go follow uh, JBL? And where could they listen more to stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw? Well, we're on YouTube, Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. It's my YouTube channel. I think it's John Layfield Show or John Layfield or something. Anyway, you can find it, Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. <laughs> we're on podcasts. We also uh, just broke out this uh, Best of the Best where we break down matches that are old matches. Uh, we just broke down uh, Terry Funk versus Jack Briscoe when he dropped when Jack dropped the title. Uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, just kind of going through old stuff. And, and uh, you can find us on podcasts. Find us on uh, YouTube and, of course, all the social media stuff we do. We're not very good at it, but we do it. <laughs> of course. That's what I'm talking about, to, to hear those perspectives on, on those matches and those, and those moments. It's just you're never going to hear that anywhere else. It, it really is really is a treat for us wrestling fans to hear that and, and see it. Well, thanks. You know, it's so fun watching these old guys. I, we, we did Buddy Rogers and Pat O'Connor, uh, 1961 match, I believe it was, in, in Comiskey where they sold out, uh, had the record until, I think, 86 uh, Super Show in Toronto. They always said it was the WrestleMania three, but they actually broke the record uh, earlier. And Buddy Rogers was a selling fool. The way he sold punches, <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. And then to see Pat Connor do that walk-around arm bar, I mean, it's just some of these guys are doing stuff. You know, I don't know why guys don't steal that stuff. You know, they're all stealing, you know, <laughs> moonsaults and flips over ropes. Some of that stuff is just amazing stuff. And to see guys like Buddy Rogers do it right, especially as a heel, because I love I love heels, because I know what heels are doing, and I know, what heel, well, I know where heels are trying to get to in matches. And it's it's fun to watch. Of course. John, this has been a true honor, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of, of your time here. I want to thank you for everything you've done for pro wrestling and all you know the memories and the moments. You said uh, in a video package about the APA once, in reference to Ron Simmons, that you can learn how to be a champion from a lot of people, but you don't learn how to be a man from a lot of people. And your career has been so inspiring and is, I think is a true reflection of what the American dream is. And although JBL is one of the biggest heels of all time, John Bradshaw Layfield is a great and brilliant man. And uh, I'm grateful to have this time with you. Hey, thank you very much. It's very kind, very kind of you to say. It's been wonderful talking to you today. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, I look forward to hopefully doing this again sometime. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Have you pre-ordered the much anticipated WWE 2K22 video game? If not, do so now for your chance to win your choice of either a WWE Championship or Universal Championship replica title belt straight from WWEshop.com. All you have to do is use the link in the description below to place your order. Then DM a proof of purchase to either Instagram or Twitter, both accounts at The Angle Radio. Now this giveaway only lasts until February 28th, 2022. So what are you waiting for? Go now, pre-order with the link below, and the winner will be announced on an upcoming episode by one of my exclusive guests. So like I said, go pre-order right now, WWE 2K22, coming March 11th, 2022. Before you go, please like, subscribe, and check out more wrestling content right here on the Angle Podcast.